And we'll read the first seven verses, Romans 15, 1 through 7. Listen, this is God's Word. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Well, it might be your first day of middle school or high school, and you are wondering if you are wearing the right color Crocs. Or it's the first day on your job and you're having second thoughts or doubts about your qualifications, your ability to perform, and everyone you know is watching you. Or you're a woman walking alone to your car at night on a dimly lit street in a strange neighborhood, and you have to walk past a group of men standing on the corner. Or it's your first day in a new country. You are travel weary, slightly disoriented, out of your normal routine, out of your comfort zone, and you are surrounded by people who do not look like you, who don't speak your language, and who are probably talking about you. And in each of those cases, you have this distinct feeling, even though no one says it out loud, you ain't from around here, are you? I would guess every one of you here has suffered from some type or to some degree with what is called social anxiety disorder. That intense, persistent fear of being watched or judged by others. According to the Mayo Clinic, symptoms include fear of situations in which you might be judged negatively or worry about embarrassing or humiliating yourself or even an intense fear of interacting or talking with strangers, compounded by the fear now that others will notice that you look anxious. And then post-social interaction analysis of your performance and the identification of your flaws. Why did I say that? That was so dumb. Again, there are elements of social anxiety disorder most of us have experienced at one time or another. The good news today is Jesus died for people with social anxiety disorder. But now imagine, if you will, uh, someone mustering up the courage to go to church for the first time. Or imagine them arriving here for the second or third or tenth time and trying to break into a church culture where there are deeply developed relationship groups that may or may not necessarily be all that receiving or welcoming or accepting. 
Well, today and next week, we are going to be welcoming new members. They will stand here. You will see them. They've been here for a while. And here at Trinity, we've been thinking about how to become a more welcoming church. And our text this morning gives us some additional guidance. Someday, we're going to make our way through the book of Romans. But for today, notice that Paul is speaking to a church made up of different groups of people. And in our text, he's giving direction to all sides regarding their differences, their distinctives, and the potential for division. Paul identifies some in the beginning of chapter 15 as being weak and others as being strong. Some are vegetarians. Some happily eat a bacon double cheeseburger. Some drink wine. Others won't touch the stuff. Some mark or celebrate certain holidays. Others do not. But notice there are different groups of people with different sets of practices. Some of those practices, a good number of those practices, in fact, are mutually exclusive. They're mutually incompatible. You can't at the same time be a vegetarian and a meat eater. You can't at the same time drink wine and altogether abstain from it. You can't be one and the other at the same time. And Paul says, here you are finding yourself in the same place. And notice this diversity that Paul is speaking about. And again, we need to spend more time in chapter 14 another day. But the diversity is not based on race or ethnicity or gender or geopolitical backgrounds or social economic um, status. There's probably some ethnic business going on here. Uh, certainly the distinction between Jew and Gentile is not far from his background. But notice that the differences of which he speaks, the differences that are uh, tending to divide them, are differences based on firmly held religious convictions. And you know what Christians are like when they have firmly held religious convictions that are different from yours. Or what you're like when you have firmly held religious convictions that are different from others. And when you find yourself in the same room. Well, that brings us to our text, especially verses 5 through 7, where Paul is speaking to all sides, weak and strong. And he says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of your Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I want you to notice with me four things about this text that guide us as we uh, think about what it means to become a more welcoming church. We're going to start at the end and work our way backward, looking at the last half of verse 7 first. Notice this, friends. You have been welcomed by Christ. You have been welcomed by Christ. The word translated here as welcome means more than simply uh, saying hello or greeting someone at the back door of the building. 
or more than saying hello as you stand at the top of the stairs or even uh, just inside the door. It can also be translated as receive or accept. Receive or accept. Jesus doesn't just wave hello in the parking lot and, or shake your hand in the back, at the back door and, and say good morning to you. He welcomes you. He receives you. He accepts you into his family. He took you in as one of his own. And he did that, as you well know, not because you were especially desirable or attractive or the kind of person Jesus really would want to have uh, based in and of yourselves, but he brought you in when you were a sinner, when you didn't have it all together. And that's how Jesus wanted to welcome you. He doesn't demand, did not demand, or expect you to clean yourself up before you came. This is the Jesus we read about who dined with, reclined with tax collectors and sinners and was criticized for it by the religious authorities. Why would your master dine with them? And in all the grand diversity that is humanity, he welcomed you as a sinner, as someone who didn't have it all together, and surprisingly, still does not. He welcomed you. And when he welcomed you, he welcomed all kinds of other people and continues to welcome them. And they, as it turns out, are not all that much like you sometimes. They might be very different. They might be a different color, the other gender. They might be from a different nation. They might speak a different language. They might not dress like you. They might not have as much money as you, or they might have way more. And he welcomes them. He accepts them, invites them. And he welcomed you. And he welcomed people unlike you, from every tribe and tongue and upbringing and background, and he welcomes you into one body. He constitutes the church to be that place where he welcomes you and into which he enfolds you, where he accepts you, where he places you. And Paul reminds us that when we pause for a moment, when we reflect on with some sense of deep and profound thanksgiving on Christ's acceptance of us, we then have a picture of what he's calling us to do to others. You see, as members of this body, we can look around and we can notice people who are different than we are. Or who, as we might say, you ain't from around here. And I want you to notice this, especially about the passage. The distinctions, the differences, the variation into which Paul is speaking. These are not the kinds of differences that you might notice in someone the first time you meet them. This isn't just simply someone you see coming in from a car and you say, mm, that person's not uh, my kind. That person's other these are firmly held religious convictions that separate or divide, which means the people to whom Paul is writing knew these other people long enough to know 
that they ate meat or they didn't. Or they drank wine or they wouldn't touch it. Or they celebrated holidays or they didn't. And Paul is saying, when you see what Jesus did for you, how Jesus accepted you, unless you really happen to think you were someone special, you did have it together, and that's why Jesus chose you. In other words, if you're filled with some kind of spiritual pride and recognize you, of course Jesus should have picked you. If that's your problem, you're going to have a hard time welcoming others. But if you sense in yourself and know yourself to be the undesirable, the sinner with whom Jesus has come to recline and to dine, and when you come to recognize Jesus has accepted you, then Paul says we can move on. We can now receive and welcome one another. Notice as he says this in the first part of verse 7, in like manner you are to welcome and to receive one another. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, in the same way as Christ has welcomed you. Christ welcomed you as a sinner who didn't have it all together, who were, if you think about it this way, were very much unlike Christ. And yet he welcomed you. It's amazing, isn't it, how we tend to surround ourselves with our people who are like us, who, uh, while we exclude others who are uh, different. And we make quick judgments about people we see for the first time. And Paul, again, is speaking about people here who have these developed opinions about others who are not like them, who are, uh, have these developed opinions about what other Christians should be like and what they should do or what they should not do, what they should eat or not eat, what days they should celebrate or not. Again, notice these people know each other well enough to know those details about one another. And the first group, Paul says, judges the second group, and the second group uh, disdains or despises the first group. And both sides think they are in the right because they all believe they have some biblical support for their position, which again is necessarily exclusive of the other position. They believe they have biblical grounds to support their position, which happens to be mutually exclusive of the position held by others who are trusting in the same Jesus and using the same Bible. That ought to give us some moment to pause because Paul says, commands us to welcome or to receive or to accept one another as Christ has welcomed, received, accepted us. In his death and resurrection for sinners, in his ascension to glory, in his pouring out of his Holy Spirit onto sinners, and in that way forming the church as his body, as his family, as his household, in the very acts of salvation, God is bringing us into one place. And Jesus, in all that, receives and welcomes and accepts a wide variety of people, all sinners, and all unique and different. And so Paul commands us, as we have been received, to welcome, receive, and accept others. John Murray puts it this way, if we practice restraints upon our acceptance of believers, we are violating the example of that redemptive 
action upon which the fellowship of the church rests. That's John Murray. Every time he has a sentence, it means it, it's, a, it's a world of thought. But notice what he's trying to say. When we have some restrictions, when we have some restraints about who and who we will not accept as believers, we're violating the very work of Christ who in his death, resurrection, ascension, pouring out of his spirit, gathered us in our diversity to be his body, to be his church, to have fellowship and union and unity with each other in him. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Well, the third line of thought here is backed up to verse 6. There's a reason for why we welcome one another. There's a reason why we welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And it's at least uh, in the end of verse 7, for the glory of God. And then notice uh, just before that in verse 6, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God's will, God's desire is that his glory be made known and His glory be magnified and amplified as we worship and adore Him with one voice. In other words, as we give expression in our worship and our adoration of the fellowship we have that He secured for us because He's accepted and welcomed and received us, and as we reciprocate with others. It is His will, it is His desire, and altogether in line with His great plan that He be worshiped and adored by those he has saved from their sin through this work of his son. Who he gathers into one place as the church, the body, the bride. And as he's worshipped and adored and magnified with one voice by one collective group of people who have been accepted and welcomed and received by his son. And so his acceptance of each and all of us, our corresponding acceptance of one another, has this purpose in view. That we may, in spite of our differences, accept and welcome one another so that we may with one voice worship, glorify God, and the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who, by the way, is still in the business of gathering and adding to his church, who is still in the business of welcoming and accepting others into the church who do not necessarily share in all of my personal convictions or in all of my Christian practices, or who have varying levels of spiritual maturity. In other words, this is what we do each Sunday. We express a deeper sense of unity of heart and mind as we lift up our voices in giving praise to God and to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's to this joyful duty God calls us and welcomes us and receives us and accepts us and asks us to do the same to others who are at a different stage of their Christian walk or their maturity than we are. Some of them might be way farther ahead. Some of, the, some of them might be lagging behind. 
Some of them might fall into the categories Paul describes in chapter 14 of being strong or others weak. And Paul calls us to express a a shared sense of unity, to accept one another, to receive and welcome them, so that we might, with one voice, praise this God. Well, if we're not there yet, then, and we see we need to be, how do we get there? Well, notice, finally, this unity, this harmonious way of life, this ability to live in harmony and to express our praise and adoration uh, to God, of God, is itself a gift from God. It's what Paul expresses as a wish in verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ. The God who is uh, the source of steadfastness, endurance in times of trial. The God who is the God of comfort and consolation during periods of failure or loss. This God fills us with hope. And he does that in Jesus Christ and uh, hope of our future with him. And so this God who does this by his word, uh, notice verse 4, was written, this was written in former days for instruction. Uh, We receive the encouragement, we receive the comfort from God's word, from a God who is the source of comfort and encouragement as he gives that through the reading and embracing of his word. And he fills us with hope because he gives us Jesus. And he now... Along with that, as Paul expresses this desire, grants along with the steadfastness and the comfort. And along with the hope he grants, he grants the grace and the humility to live with others who are not like us. He gives us the grace and the humility to be able to live with others and to even lift our voices in praise with one another, even with people who aren't like us, or who, uh, including those who, with whom we might otherwise have significant differences and disagreements, because remember we have deeply held religious convictions. So yes, friends, let us be more welcoming, receiving, and accepting of those as they come through the back door. Let's be more welcoming of people in the parking lot as we happen to merge in line walking into the building. Be sensitive to the fact that some people might be coming here with some degree of social anxiety. For some of you, you don't have to think that hard. You just look inwardly and recognize, oh, they have the same problem as I do. But let's also be more welcoming, more receiving, more accepting of those who stick around long enough for us to get to know them beyond the color of their skin or their gender or the clothes they're wearing or whatever else, but to get to know them well enough that we can realize and recognize in conversation 
that they don't think like we do. They don't share the same convictions about certain things as we do. Let's be more welcoming and receiving and accepting of those who stick around long enough for us to make the assessment of them that they are quite different. They really do and really would change the makeup of our regular group of friends if we were to include them and do we really want to take that risk. But we'll do that because Christ has accepted us. And Christ has accepted them. And because God cares about our shared, louder expression of praise and worship as voices are added to the congregational choir. And because our praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is just a little louder when we grow and as we grow because we are welcoming, accepting, and receiving others. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the challenge of your word, but also we thank you for the comfort of your word. We thank you that you have reminded us, you've accepted us, Christ has accepted us, even when we were less than desirable. Lord, let this shape the way we look at others. Grow us in grace and in faith and in love and in charity. Allow us to welcome, accept, and receive others even when they're different. As you have accepted and received and welcomed us even when we were quite different than Jesus, your Son. Lord, receive our thanks in this and grow us in grace and in love and in charity that we might honor you and that you would receive our worship magnified and glorified as you are. We ask this all in Jesus' name, and together all God's people say, Amen.